Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 138. And if you wanted to listen to this one, as well as our previous episodes, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating and a review if you do so, please. So uh, before we bring in the crew here, a quick update for you, because I think actually one of our loyal Twitter questioners, David Desberg, at the true ROAC, submitted a Twitter question this week, says, what's the future of the pod? Since we announced a few weeks ago that SB Nation's backing is no longer a thing come the end of February, and this is the last episode for the month of February. However, SB Nation has extended that backing to the end of March. But even with that being said, we have decided to join a new podcast network with a bunch of other, I guess it would be technically soon to be former SB Nation podcasters called Fans First Sports Network, and we will be joining them. There are a couple other uh, soccer podcasts on there. I believe the Barcelona podcast is one of the first soccer ones, as well as I believe our friends at Chiesa di Totti are on there. So uh, we are excited to... uh, join in with this new venture in terms of the fees and all that. The good thing is that uh, barring any last minute SB Nation complications, we will be on the same podcast feed, whether that is Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your podcast 
listening device of choice. So no worries about having to resubscribe or anything like that. We're going to try and make this transition as smooth as possible on all of you, our dear listeners, because we want to make it as smooth on us, the podcasters ourselves. So with all of that being said, good news. We've got Sam Lopressi. Hello, Sam. How you doing, Danny? Uh, dealing with the microbes today. Yes. Yeah. Lopresti household is uh is not well. The Lopresti household has been has been afflicted by the by the <laughs> common cold today, and uh, and the last couple of days it is it it, it predictably started with the little guy because you know that's how that works. <laughs> yes. And has since rapidly spread. So apologies if if Kausch has to. Take out any nose blowing uh, <laughs> sounds. <laughs> and as my uh, office assistant Domino peeks over my shoulder here, we've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, um, yes, uh, Sam. Hope you get well, uh, and everybody in the Lepresti household uh, gets well soon. And I, he- I hear that happens a lot with having kids and just you know, oh yeah, being uh, being sick very often. So oh yeah, mopping noses and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, but you know I'm. Uh, Fight, fight the cold, and uh, you know, hang in yep. there, and uh, you'll uh, you'll be good. That's right. And unfortunately, we don't have the birthday boy Sergio Romero. He's currently uh, battling some traffic in Mexico City, so we uh, wish Sergio well, and hopefully the the traffic lets up and everything like that. But at least we have the two of you guys. So I will throw it back to Chucks. Your takeaway from the week that was. I assume it's a good one as compared to previous weeks. My takeaway uh, from the week, and again, I'll have to fight really hard to find a negative one. So, although I'm sure I could if I really tried, <laughs> but I mean, come on, you know, I mean, every anybody could. It's still, Juve, you know, we're still, you know, seventh place, eighth place. I forget. Um, but no, it, it was good. It was a good week, thankfully. And I mean, my takeaway is kind of a question that's still lingering on my mind, which you know, obviously, Di Maria was fantastic, and you know, obviously had that. Wonderful hat trick against uh, Nantes uh, away in the Europa League. I guess my question still is: is or I guess what, I'm just wondering, like, what his? Well, I guess it's twofold questions, kind of a sub question, but what his position really is on the pitch, slash, what his best position is, because uh, again, I use my trusty whoscore.com and the heat maps there, which I always consult really on a weekly basis, I guess. And yeah, just look at kind of where he was uh, mostly playing. And yeah, it is again kind of a central, yeah, kind of a central midfield Trequartista kind of area. I mean, that's kind of the hottest or the darkest area, I guess, on the pitch. The second darkest area is kind of this inside left position, a little bit higher up. From that uh, other one, but yeah, I mean, it's are his days are wing as a winger over, and he's just kind of a I don't know like a another midfielder, I guess, or which I guess it, it does remind me of when he was playing. Was it a unite? Well, I guess at Real Madrid as well, and a little bit at United, which obviously was a terrible, terrible time in his career, thanks to a uh, good old Louis Van Gaal, <laughs> which that was quite quite an achievement to mess up a player <laughs> that good. <laughs> But that's another another conversation. But uh, really, at I think at some point during his career at both Real Madrid and United, and I guess a little bit at PSG, he was sort of a central midfielder. I guess the closest thing I could call it really would be a Metzala kind of position that he played on and off for. Um, I think it was kind of a, you know, you wanted to still play the player, but they were kind of stacked on the wings. So 
his way to still get such a good player uh, on the pitch. And I remember he did quite well, but I always, you know, again, you always just wonder, is that, is that just a sign of his professionalism that he's able to do a job in a position that's not his, but really he would want to be in his natural position? Or is he actually genuinely, you know, have a future in a position like that? And yeah, I wonder what going forward from now till, I guess, what, June-ish, May, from now to the end of the season, I guess, I mean, is that going to be his fixed position, this kind of trequartista-ish, just ahead of the central midfielder's position? Or is he ever going to go back to the wing? Of course, we still have Chiesa, you know, still in the picture too. So yeah, I mean, clearly he's he's doing just fine in his current position. So I guess just keep him there. All right, Sam, what you got? Uh, I got I got something out of the box today, Danny. Oh, my takeaway is going to come from a game that Juventus did not play in. My takeaway is going to come from uh, this past Sunday's lunchtime kickoff between Bologna and Inter. I think I know where you're going now. Yeah, because in that one nil loss by Inter, uh, the curse of the Dalada continues there for them playing left back for Bologna was one Andrea Cambiasso, and he was the best player on the field. It was multiple different outlets are giving have been giving him man of the match ratings. He was really, really good. He put two shots on target from the left back position and also had a bunch of defensive stats. He was just really, really good. And, you know, we've been talking so much the last couple of weeks, especially as we try to figure out, you know, should Massimiliano Allegri change tactics? You know, if we if you do change tactics, who plays fullback? And there mm-hmm. you have a left back who is really, really coming into his own. And and it it really begs the question, why was he loaned out to begin with when we just were so thin in those positions, especially because Max planned to go with a 4-3-3 at the beginning of the year. And it certainly says to me that next summer he has to be given a shot at that play, at that spot because he's just he's playing far too well. And I think, you know, we have we really have something there. It's hilarious that we've bought these two young Italian players from Genoa in the last couple of years, and we've got them both on loan, him and Nicola Rovella, and they're both playing better than any of the players that are in the positions that we that they play at Juventus right now. So yeah, I, I think that I, I, I'm very impressed by Cambiasso. And when he gets back from his loan, I think you have to, have to, have to give him the opportunity to take that left back job and run with it. Because I think he's I, I think he's gonna be a really good piece. What uh what formation is Bologna playing these days? They were playing a four-two-three-one. So he's not playing as a wing back that like no, he he's not playing Genoa. as a wing back. Uh, he can play as a wing back, yes. Yeah. But um, but yeah, today and let me just check it again. That was because I did actually look at that. Uh, yeah, they played a uh, according to my Forza app. Let me also take a look at what who scored thinks. According to life score as well, it was a yeah. They're also four, two, three, yeah. Three, Tiago Motta. They also have Tiago Motta running them out as a four-two-three-one. So that's there's there's all there's an extra layer of uh, versatility there, and that he can play both of those positions if he wants to, because that's it is what he played in Geno- uh, at Genoa, and he seems to be settling in very well as a, uh, a straight left back right now under Tiago Motta as well. 
Ah, uh, old friend Tiago Mota. <laughs> Anyways, we we won't digress on Tiago Mota's checkered past and who he played for and everything like that. So uh, we'll keep things to Juventus this week. Obviously, just one game to talk about since the last time we came to you guys, and that is Juventus actually doing something good in a European knockout stage game. So everybody clap your hands for Juventus not screwing things up. Hey. I'm clapping. Uh, the 3-0 win over Nantes, and I think, uh, you know, I think everybody is happy here to no longer say Nantes because we're not French speakers. So it was, as we have said many times, and as you could probably tell from the front page of the website over the last four or five days, it was the Angel Di Maria show, and there was a whole <laughs> lot of Angel Di Maria praise going around for good reason. That was because he, uh, he became the first Juventus player to score a hat trick in Europe in, in a few years, and that is... Obviously, always a good thing because that usually means you're winning, said a game in which he scores a hat trick. And uh, whether it was the manner of which he played overall or just how he started said hat trick, it makes total sense that now the Italian press is turning their speculation up just full bore in terms of whether Di Maria is going to stick around for another season at Juventus or not. And as Sergio said last week, he is very much on the train of giving Di Maria another contract. I am very much sitting shotgun to Sergio on that train, and I have a feeling there are plenty of people wanting to get on that train because even though he is 35 years old, Angel Di Maria is still very much class, and he has proven to be class, and man, he has been awfully good since coming back from the World Cup, hasn't he, gentlemen? He really has, and it really does seem like he... he... Like, I can't tell if he was just invigorated by that or if, you know, just finally being healthy and getting a, a solid run of games in obviously has something to do with it but he he just he's taken off the he's taken off the training wheels and he's he's started really blasting through and 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 being that that creative guy that we all were expecting when he when he was signed and and yeah i'm i'm with you on the i'm certainly on the on the train with you in terms of Juve should offer him something i'm still not necessarily certain he'd take it but I do think that that Juve should make that offer. Well, that's the that's the big question, right? Is we, yeah. I mean, Di Maria. It feels like somebody with Di Maria's personality, where he's very much not trying to make things about himself. He's not trying to turn the spotlight on him and his future. Uh, he, you know, his quotes are very much, you know, I'm happy here. Let's just essentially pay attention to the next game and worry about my future later, rather than say, you know, having these large interviews after games where he's basically just talking about what where he might be in a few months. So, yeah, it, it's hard to tell where he's at because he's been very coy in terms of his, his which answers. I actually, which I actually appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Like, unless definitely. he was say unless he would say, yes, yeah, sure, I'm going to stay. We're just going to work it out. Yeah. I think he's, I think a lot of his decision might end up having to do with just how the Prisma investigation works out by the end of it you know and what this what the competitive and financial situation of juventus is going to be by the end of all that nonsense you know i think if juve are in a decently competitive position that that yeah he might go for it i give it more that he might take a year's extension than i did at the beginning of january but i'm still not like utterly confident that he'd do it because the ball as you know as a free agent to be the ball is really in his court but I, I do think that that Juve should, because man, was he just like that goal, that first one. 
Good <laughs> it night. was ridiculous. <laughs> I could you like, and it came in the perfect at the perfect time too because you know I wrote this in my recap. Those first four minutes of that game were terrifying because it looked like that it looked like the Juve back line didn't know what the heck they were doing. Nant was going after it. And they had a loud crowd behind them. It was, you know, it looked like it was going to be a really long and and upsetting game. And then Di Maria just shuts everyone up with that goal. Also, props to Fajoli for for the setup for that goal. Yes, uh, he played very very well in that, in both intercepting it and finding Di Maria. But then the way Di Maria, it was almost like it, it was a macro version of when. Andrea Pirlo chipped Joe Hart at Euro 2016 <laughs> or uh, no at 2012 rather at Euro 2012 when he just he broke all the momentum that England had in that moment he broke Joe Hart's career and uh and then the next two English kickers missed cuz you know it's when you do something like that you know just so out there and outrageously skilled you know you said it it sends a message and it it knocks a guy down. It reminds me, you know, if I'm going to, I'll make a, a cross sports comparison here. But a couple of years ago when Villanova won the NCAA basketball tournament here in the U.S., there was, you know, they they crushed every team they played. And there was a, the, the, every game that they played and there was a period of about five minutes where regardless of how well the other team was defending them, and in some cases they were defending them really well, every shot they they put up just went in. And it was just like one of those. And I and I remember always feeling like how demoralizing must that be to know that you did this, you did that perfectly and they're still killing you with it. And I feel like that might I feel like like a goal like that, especially coming. I mean, yes, it was only five minutes in, but, you know, on that small sample size, it was a, it was very much against the run of play. I think that just that, that knocked not off kilter mentally. It certainly changed the nature of the of the game you know from the standpoint of of what not had to do and what Juve had to do and then the red card just killed everything off a couple minutes later so yeah i I think that just you know it it was so important on a number of levels not just having the goal but i think the way it was scored is like i i think that that started the ball rolling and then di maria just kept on running with it yeah i mean i haven't played the uh video game fifa and forever i mean can't, i can't tell you which uh, fifa game was the last one i played but that di maria goal the first one did remind me of just an r1 circle <laughs> an <laughs> yeah. r1 circle shot you know oh, you yeah. just hold that in and uh you know curl it curl it with the uh while holding and r1 the it, so. and, the, and the way he did it too like where it 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 didn't just curve it went up. It it was almost like a free kick. It not only was the was it curving towards the back post. It went up and came down to get under the post in time. That was it was it was filthy. Yeah, and he knew. I mean, he knew. It's one of those shots where he planned a shot basically before or as the pass was already coming in. I mean, it wasn't like oh, let me you know see okay might might go for that one. Like he just knew like you know yeah straight away to go for it and and you know that level of decisiveness. Well, I mean that's. That's what you get once you're once you're a was a 35 and you've won a World Cup and I think he's probably won Champions League and a bunch of leagues here yeah, all over the place. That decisiveness was like that was the that decisiveness is the kind of thing that that a, a countryman of his that also played for Juventus, Gonzalo Higuain, kind of lacked. 
you know, if Gonzalo Higuain had taken a ball in that situation, obviously he wasn't right footed. He's right footed, but you know, I, you know, he would have started, he would have taken a couple of dribbles, tried to figure out what to do and then try to see what was up instead of Di Maria just being like, no, nah, I'm taking this. Like that, that is a level of decisiveness that put that's, that's what puts him on the level that he's at and has been his entire career. And, and, you know, the irony with just the whole Di Maria situation is that we all expected him to put in a hundred percent effort before the world cup in, you know, in, in anticipation of the world cup and kind of, you know, to warm himself up and, you know, to get ready for, you know, the big occasion. I mean, he barely played before the world cup due to injury and just, red card and you know all of that and then it's yeah really and then we thought you know after after that we would just kind of i don't know coast and just be like all right i'm done with the world cup now and it's kind of chill and well it's been the complete opposite <laughs> you know it's uh we barely really saw much of him uh before the competition I should say the same about leandro paredes but you know yeah well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's i mean He's, 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 just been, our, uh, he's just been coasting since he got there <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he didn't even play yeah, hard in the world. I don't want him to become the the beat up guy of the the, the butt of every joke. Oh <laughs> well, he's quickly becoming that there, my friend. He's making yeah. it. He's he's bringing it on himself. <laughs> yeah, he has about three months to just kind of I don't know beat the butt of the jokes and and then depart. Get back but to yeah. PSG. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, no. So like I said, it's just been a pleasant surprise with Di Maria, just given that his biggest effort has be, has come when we least expected it and when we thought he had the least incentive to give the most effort, which I mean, again, shows us that he's a quality professional. And, and honestly, when he came, when he joined Juve, yeah, I mean, I was kind of on the fence about, I liked it. And I mean, I was on the fence about just if he still had enough in him to kind of perform, but you know, there were people, again, people giving that theory of like, Oh, he's just here to, you know, play for two months get a world cup and then hang out for a bit I was regardless of, of, of my oh yeah yeah well there you go well no i didn't <laughs> no i i didn't i didn't out and out assume that he would i was just afraid that he would yeah and yeah. he has proven those fears fruitless but yeah. yeah and i mean again for obviously yeah, i had questions about his quality but i don't know i just thought there's certain types of professionals just athletes professional athletes that I don't know. I I can't really describe why I don't really have any data to back it up, but there's just a feeling of like, you know, you just sense that there's some people that are far too professional and, and just have too much respect for the sport, for the professionalism of being an athlete that they just wouldn't do that. You know, that I don't know, a sense of honor, a sense of like dignity. And obviously there are players that you, you know, realize that probably wouldn't <laughs> have that, but I don't know. It, it's just this intangible feeling that I have of like, you know, there's some people that are just, professionals that are like you know for the sake of the sport okay i might not be world class every game but i'm still going to give it 100 percent. And, and you know actually to bring one player his compatriot that i had that i did have those doubts about was carlos devis when he joined juve now i had i had those types of worries just given the whole you know manchester city ordeal with Man- mancini well, and with tevis it had know. been bad behavior it had been a bad behavior question yeah not only at city but at united as well exactly and i mean you know this is kind of i mean i don't know this is sort of un- unrelated sort of related but you know for me for me the thing was that like when he was at united all those years and like brother didn't speak a word of english after all these damn years i'm like come on man like this kind of a random reference again but dusan tadic he plays for ajax 
And I've listened to some of his interviews in Dutch, and he speaks like good Dutch. I mean, genuinely, I was amazed like to hear it. He really has, I mean, a slight accent, but not that bad at all. That's like Serbian learning Dutch. Dutch is the most unbearable language to learn in the <laughs> world. I mean, it's just it's just a grammatical, it's just a well, you know what show. So it's it's terrible. And for someone, you know, from Serbia to learn a language that's so different from his, you know. Like it's possible, you know, and, and I always had kind of issues with Tevez about, you know, not doing that. But anyway, unrelated, like my my point being, I had more worries about like someone like Tevez when he joined just the general discipline, general behavior and just general attitude of his uh, when he joined. Uh, clearly, again, that was, you know, we had, there were no worries there because he was just an excellent, excellent player for us. But yeah, I, I didn't have that feeling about Di Maria. I just thought, I mean, I don't know if, if the guy still has it, you know, if he's still has the quality and well, he, he does, I guess. I mean, he clearly does. Well, it, it's funny you bring up Tevez and obviously he arrived at Juventus, like you said, under a different kind of situation than, than Di Maria. But I mean, that was also a deal where you kind of figured it would be a short-term thing just based on how he's kind of gone from club to club and, and all that. And I mean, Di Maria, we, uh, you know, I remember us talking about it. We figured that it would be a one year and back to Argentina type of thing. And, I mean, just the way he has played. I mean, you wonder how much just him playing at this kind of level, and, you know, obviously it's not in the Champions League, but him playing at this kind of level has really kind of been like, okay, maybe maybe I can, you know, stick around and be at Juventus for another year. Like, And, I mean, like Sam mentioned, and as I've written over the last couple of days in the Di Maria post, I mean, obviously a lot probably depends on the off-the-field stuff with Juventus's, you know, discipline and any further punishments and all that. So uh, who knows? But I mean, in terms of Angel Di Maria at 35 years old, he's been Juventus's best player for now two months, two months straight. And I mean, you know, it's crazy to see him because he just kind of seems to be building on each, on each performance. And I mean, who knows how he's going to, how he's going to build on the, the hat trick uh, against Nantes when, uh, when he takes the field in the Turin Derby. But man, I mean, it, Di Maria is definitely must watch uh, television right now. And that's, that's saying something because, you know, we, we weren't sure which, which Di Maria we'd really get based on how he played simply the first half of the season. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I think it, it helps to someone like uh, Federico Chiesa. It relieves the pressure of someone like him, given that obviously he's still, I mean, he's 100% fit, I suppose. But, you know... An injury like that, I you know, I think it still takes you, you know, six months to six to nine months or something to truly, truly be hundred percent comfortable and and fit. And I think this just gives him 
a little more time, a little more space to, you know, recover or to be 100 percent or at least not to have to constantly play 90 minutes and be and for Juve to be 100 percent dependent on him because we have, you know, at least the creative outlet like Di Maria, because I mean, that's really what he is. Just again, going back to my takeaway from his position on the pitch, he is really the central He's the source of creativity in the team, especially given his position just in that right there in that central, that kind of number 10-ish position. I mean, yeah, he is the source of creativity. And yeah, again, it just gives someone like Chiesa, um, you know, a little more room to to breathe and maybe not feel as much pressure to have to play in 90 minutes twice a week or something. And obviously with the Europa League games and still Coppa Italia games, we still have a uh, you know, quite a quite a chunk of games to play till the end of the season. It's funny that you mentioned his position, and you did it at the beginning of the show too, because I feel like I want I want your opinions on this. I feel like they started in a four three three. Yeah. Did that? Did yeah. you feel like it? And then like once, the, and then once you scored the second goal, and you had, and you were up a man, then I think Allegri kind of made a switch and went back to a to a to a three five two. I, I just felt it just felt that way to me because Kostic was for, for those first 20, 25 minutes before you really got up a field. Kostic was very was high, was in a very advanced position. Di Maria was very much wide as opposed to central. He he really he spent the majority of the time central. But I think that's because Allegri decided to switch in the in the middle of the first half once it kind of started looking academic once the red card came out. I want to know what you get. What do you guys think? Do you think that that's? Do you think that I'm not? I'm saying I'm spouting nonsense. No, or do you no. Think I, I, I think you're 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 right in a way. I mean, I, I mean, I have to admit that I was, I was very much trying to multitask when the game was going on. So I probably <laughs> wouldn't be the best judge of uh, <laughs> best best judge in terms of following close details like what formation is is what. But I mean, I I feel like they started more four through three than three five two. I mean, who knows. I mean, I don't even know what I'm trying to get at with, with saying that, but uh, I I think you're on to something in terms of it switched more to a three five two once Juve had more control of things. Yeah, but I mean, it's just so hard to tell sometimes because, as you know, to kind of go back to what Chuck's Chuck's takeaway was is that Di Maria, like Chiesa, he can pop up in just so many different places that there might not really be a set formation you know when when he's when he's playing kind of that that number 10 in a 352 or 3511 whatever you want to call it i mean you know sometimes he's wide sometimes he's playing as a number 10 sometimes he's on the left i mean it's just it depends on i feel like it almost kind of depends on how uva are playing more than anything because he could you know like like we like you noted sam you know they were pinned back for a good portion of that that opening phase and then all of a sudden he pops up on the on the right wing and Fajoli feeds him, and then all of a sudden he's scoring the goal of the season. So I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to say. But like I said, I was I was multitasking and not exactly watching the game all that closely the first few minutes, seeing and then all of all of a sudden the uh, computer is screaming at me that Angel Di Maria scored. So <laughs> yeah, midweek midweek games, man, work work in midweek games. That's a tricky one. But no, I I, I think I agree uh, with both of you. I, it does seem to be the case. And like I said, I kind of on and off was watching it and had to go to a meeting and et cetera, et cetera, um, life stuff. But yeah, definitely started, I feel like, four through three. And, you know, again, kind of looking at the heat map to kind of confirm, you know, your suspicions, uh, Sam, I think, yeah, I think it definitely did switch to a three, five, 
whatever <laughs> three five something after you know the two nil or just after basically the game was consolidated and that's also the thing the game was effectively over tactically after 20 minutes or so with the red card you know so yeah i i, I think that that does seem right yeah well obviously now with juventus beating known this past thursday we've got uh the round of 16 in the Europa League to look forward to. So even though Sergio isn't here, we will be talking more Europa League over these next few weeks. And Juventus got, I for what I feel like, is maybe not the upper echelon of remaining teams, but one of the better teams remaining in Freiburg, who is a club that is one of four teams very much in the running for the Bundesliga title. So uh, it is definitely going to be a step up from playing the team that's 13th in Ligue 1 to the team that is sitting in fourth place and very much in a battle for a title in one of Europe's top five leagues. So uh, what are each of your guys' thoughts on Juventus getting uh, getting another crack at a German side, although a German side that they have never played in a competitive match before? Uh, it's it's certainly going to be interesting. It's uh, Freiburg actually kind of lost some ground in that title race today. They're down to fifth. They drew today. Uh, and Bayern Munich kind of obliterated Union Berlin. And uh, I, uh, this week, Bayern and, and Borussia Dortmund, you know, stop me when you've heard that one before, are, uh, are kind of are, are, are kind of have separated themselves a tiny bit. But yeah, Freiburg have been playing very, very well. But there are some things to look at. Uh, Vincenzo Grifo, very, very good this year. But overall, Freiburg only has a goal differential of plus three. Yes. And when they do lose, you know, it hasn't been often this season, but when they have lost, it has been rather spectacular. Uh, I believe their last loss was to Borussia Dortmund, and they lost 5-1. Oof. Yeah. Juventus knows a little something about 5-1 losses this uh, season. Sure yeah. did. Sure did. Sorry. Couldn't, couldn't resist, Chucks. Couldn't resist. Well. They, they, they lost. It was actually interesting. They they lost the, the, that game. It was in It was at the beginning of February. Freiburg went down a man on 17 minutes, ended up at halftime one all, and then Dortmund just absolutely obliterated them in the second half. But the I think the and and this is the yeah, this is the fun bit. I think when you when you're looking at a team like Freiburg, who their margin of much like Juve, there I think that these two teams are very similar in that regard. Their margins of error are very, very slim. If they give up a goal or two, you know, they might not be coming back from it. But, you know, their their firepower certainly does not seem to be, you know, equal to 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 their to their place in the table right now. So I think what you've got to do there is you've got to go for the throat early. Now, is Max going to do that? Probably not. But I feel like it's it's a better I, I feel like that's the thing that you want to be doing with them, because like, you know, you look at the top here, here, are the top six in Germany, the two, you know, Freiburg are the low are the low guys on the on the scoring sheet. Uh, them and Union Berlin both have 35 goals. The next lowest is the next lowest out of the out of the top six is Eintracht Frankfurt at 43. And there are one, one, two, three, four, five teams that are below them uh, in the standings right now that have scored more goals. And they've also, you know, they've they've given up 32. So it's it's been, you know, they're middle of the pack kind of everywhere. They've just had the results going their way. 
and and you know that can that can be crucial but i i think if you can if you can hit them in the mouth early uh, that's your best chance and so i think that that's got to be what's got to be done especially in turin is to just you know whack them upside the head a couple times score some goals and and dare them to come back at you yeah i think uh overall it's like you said danny it's probably a perfectly uh i guess perfectly balanced opposition in the sense that it's not like you know arsenal would have been the worst um uh team to to draw uh but it's not definitely not a you know bad team i think at this point in the in the competition really aren't too many terrible teams and you know that's also testament to how the europa league has improved because um i feel like once you're at the round of 16 in the europa league i mean they're definitely just very credible teams and just you know absolutely solid teams you know you look at some of the other teams to the left the real betis and sociedad both like top what top four top five of spain obviously arsenal and united you know first and third i want to say third in um in the league and just you know all quality teams still left and yeah Freiburg obviously fifth i guess uh in the league yeah so i mean that that helps i i won't you know try and admit that i know much about Freiburg. um i do not but one player besides uh, vincenzo gifo who plays there another player who kind of stood out to me based on his uh Pretty decent World Cup was uh, Ritsu Doan, the Japanese uh, winger and former PSV Antova player, actually. I was wondering um, if there was some kind of Dutch connection to your, uh, yes, your yes. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Formerly <laughs> uh, there and didn't quite come up. I think he played at Groningen as well, I want to say. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he may have. But at PSV, anyway, he is one of the surprisingly many Japanese players who play in Germany. There are real whole lot of uh, Japanese uh, internationals, really, too, uh, to play in Germany. But yeah, of course, you know, you'll remember he scored that wonderful goal against uh, against Germany uh, in the World Cup in that surprise victory just uh, was a few months ago. And yeah, I mean, he's still a quality player. He seems like he's a you know, starting, starting 11 player. And yeah, him and Vincenzo Grifo are, you know, two players to watch, definitely. But yeah, like I said, other than that, I mean, I I just can't tell you that I know too much uh, about them. Um, I w- do, however, know that, like what you said uh, earlier, Danny, where we, you know, we'll be happy that we don't have to try and pr- pronounce Nantes anymore, a French, tricky French uh, name of uh, the club. Now we get to say Freiburg. So, uh, you well, know, uh, we I get guess at least we don't, have, we don't say... have to say Feder and Farosh again. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, jinx. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we got to practice a different uh, vocal intonation there. So, uh, there you know, go. keep practicing, lads. Uh, we have to do it. <laughs> well, I, I just, I just want to note one thing before we get to a, a few Twitter questions to wrap things up. Uh, have you guys noticed what the uh, schedule is going to look like from here until the uh, first international break of the calendar year? Uh, I Without did looking. take a peek, actually. Uh, I'd, I remember it was like Roma, Inter, yeah. I think Lazio, I'll, I'll, I'll just read. It, I'll just read it off this uh, real quick here, starting with this Tuesday. Uh, you've obviously got the Turin Derby, then you've got Roma, and then the first leg against uh, Freiburg. Did I? How did I sound, Chuck? Did I, did I Freiburg. No, no, yeah, good. I mean Freiburg. Uh, and then more... you know, kind of, I would assume a a squad rotation kind of game against Sampdoria at home, and then the second leg against Freiburg in Germany, and then. To wrap things up before everybody goes on the international break, a good old Derby d'Italia at the San Siro. So, from now until the middle of March, 
there isn't exactly a whole lot of letting up for Juventus. And I guess this is the uh, the beauty of the Thursday-Sunday Europa League grind is that you know sometimes it'll pop up, especially in the knockout rounds, during a stretch of the schedule that is unrelenting even without European play thrown in there. Well, that's that's why it was a nice thing that uh, that they moved over the the derby to Tuesday. And I have a funny feeling that that might happen once or twice. I don't think it'll happen with Inter because they're going to they're going to want to keep that in a prime times in a prime time slot. But yeah, I I just don't know if there's room for them to move stuff around. Just looking at what everybody's current midweek commitments are. Maybe I don't yeah. know. Between now and the international break, there just doesn't, I mean, you know, it's pretty much a game every three, four days, and there's not really much, much room to, to move. And like you said, obviously, the the, the Derby d'Italia is on a Sunday night, and that's when everybody's going to be want to be uh, keeping it there. And with, with Juventus playing Europa League, they pretty much have to keep it there. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, that's modern football for you. You know, there's just so many games and just so much to chug into the calendar. And then, of course, uh, I mean, this is kind of unrelated, but I I think I'd read that um, it officially expanded the Club World Cup to like 32 teams or some asinine. Hey, more, yeah. more chances for Juventus to qualify, Chuck. <laughs> I know, right? To win a title. That, yeah, that that's like going to be a summer tournament now. Yeah, I forget what the exact timing of that is. But, you know, again, this is another blatant attempt to just chug more and more and more games into the calendar. Oh, and then and you think that <laughs> the, the new the new format for the Super Duper League is gonna has got has got even more. Doesn't it have like 14 games or something like that in the group stage? I don't know. The way that the, the Serie A women's uh season is wrapping up is confusing enough uh, yeah. until you mm-hmm. until you start doing some reading where you're actually now getting some reading about it in, in English rather than having to translate it from Italian. But yeah, this to mm-hmm. You know why they're expanding it, Chucks? Yeah, I mean, money, man. Oh, you know, it's all about that money. Yeah, and I mean, that's something I was uh, I was talking about, I don't know, uh, probably a month or so ago, when the whole the 15-point deduction just came out, and, you know, we we're talking about that. And, yeah, I mean, one of my arguments was the fact that just, I think, underneath, like, really, really underlying reason is because football clubs feel so pressed to find money from just every crevice of, like, the calendar every every little attempt we can to just squeeze more games and then get just a little bit more money and you know they're just desperate for it and i think i don't know i guess they push for this i don't know who pushed for it i don't know if it infantino this was that was infantino's baby Infantino, yeah 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 and yeah it's i don't know it's just still just this obsession with just finding more and more attempts to earn some kind of money somehow creatively and just find i don't know one two hours or something in, in some friday afternoon ah, we can squeeze a game in just about there and uh, let's make a fly to saudi arabia you know just quickly you know uh, put him on a <laughs> put him on a little private jet get him a put put him on an elon musk's little boring company uh uh tunnel trains and you know he'll get there in about 30 seconds he'll be back you know no i mean in all seriousness it's it's it really does concern me just uh yeah, just how much, how many more games we're trying to fit into the calendar, and it's breaking down, breaking down players' bodies, and you know, it's uh, I, I, this is unrelated. I'm sorry, until we just quickly before we move Go to ahead, Twitter questions. On. No, I um I didn't read the entire article, but there was an article on uh, Dutch News um, the other day. Very, it was a long article, and it's just a really good deep dive into um, actually women's fitness, uh, women's players' fitness, and they're saying 
they crunched a whole bunch of data and they're saying there's a real big concern about knee injuries and knee ligament injuries uh, specifically with women's players and you know they like i said they did a real deep dive into just the data there and said that even in women's football like the workload is increasing so much so that they're finding with very young women's players uh, a very worrying increase in the number of knee ligament injuries and just a systematic like you know not just here and there like really a systematic increase in knee ligament injuries for women's players again it, you know just attributed to the increased <laughs> workload that they're having and um yeah just really really concerning and i mean i don't know i i just think just this constant obsession with adding more and more games it's it, it can't go without a cost yeah just to add one thing on top of that you know you look at the juventus women i mean they they haven't had a sheer number of injuries like the the men have had but a lot of their more serious injuries have been knee injuries right i mean they, they just had you know one of their players martina rosucci she what they think might might be barring any scans might be another knee injury and she's already had her acl done up once so you know they're they think it might be a knee sprain and they're kind of wondering what the the scans might reveal come uh come later this week so who knows but yeah it's you look at it and it's it's a lot of like you said it's a lot of knee injuries and juventus over the last few years definitely definitely know something about that so uh that being said gentlemen shall we uh transfer over to a couple of twitter questions to wrap this thing up Sure thing, man. All right. A little bit of of a procedural question to start things up from at Bocci Sabi. Does a Inter or Juventus Copa Italia win grant Juventus a Europa League spot next season? I think so. I know the Juventus Uh, one does. I suppose. uh, Yeah, because Inter, I mean, are already top four. Copa, yeah. Oh, gosh. This is always... No, I think they changed the rule. I don't think it's the runner-up that gets it if Inter's already in the Champions League. I think they dropped the... I think they add a new place in the, another place in the standings. Okay, all right. Yeah. I think. Don't... I'm I mean, like, yeah. I'm but, like 80% sure about that. But if we win, but like, obviously, if we if win... We win the I mean, if we win, itself, obviously, yeah, yeah, yes. Then, yeah, yeah. In terms of, if yeah, we win, yes. Up. If we were to lose to Inter and in the semis and then Inter were to win, I don't think that... Yeah, then we'd have to climb up. Then we'd have to climb up right, into the, so into the, other the place, place yeah. table. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, obviously, Fiorentina and Cremonense, either one of them are probably not going to get a European spot through just ranking. So then, yeah, I mean, if they win, if they win, obviously, they would have it. And then, be hilar- yeah, How hilarious would that be if Cremonese did win the Coppa Italia and ended up in the Europa League while, whilst rock bottom in Serie A? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> like we're like we're joking a few weeks ago. What if Juventus, for yeah. whatever reason, gets relegated and then they qualify the Europa League or Champions League? It's the same, same yeah, kind of thing. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it does indeed seem like the most realistic path would be to win the entire thing. And like you said, Sam, I think indeed runners up. I don't think would cut it. Which again, I mean, if you look at just the way, if we were runners up, we would be runners up to Fiorentina and Cremonese, and they would just they would just get the spot. So then. Yes. Yeah, so we have to win. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. That's, Next, that's right. Next one from at Craymaster HS. This one is double pronged. There's a lot of people on the Allegri out train. Sam is the conductor, but what are the chances that he'll really go? And if so, who would you realistically like to replace him with? <laughs> with the caveat in this economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, we've all seen talked about that this on and off last few weeks 
Yeah, what's the chances he'll stay again in this economy? It, it depends how much it would cost to get rid of him, I guess. Obviously, I like there's what I want, want. and what I think will happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 18 million euros is how yeah. much it costs you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, again, there's what I want and there's what I think will happen. What I want is, yeah, I mean, rather have him just kind of leave at the end of the season. What I think will happen is, yeah, again, realistically, how much money do we have to do we have the money to part ways with him and then pay a similar salary to someone who would replace him because it would have to be someone of, you know, upper echelons of coaching, which at the moment, who is even available? I mean, you know, I know the, the, the dream has always been Deschamps, but I mean, he's seems pretty invested in France and, well, and the French national scene. You just signed scene. a contract extension, yes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, I, he's, yeah. he's there through the Euros now. So there you go. Then, I mean, Pochettino. You know, a lot of people I mean, talk uh, about Zidane. Pochettino's available, but... Yeah. Who know who knows if Poch goes back to Spurs with uh good old Ball Tony potentially on the way out. Yeah, uh, and, yes, yeah. and which and who knows if Conte is out at Spurs. I mean, with Agnelli gone, that kind of ticks up the possibility of him coming back to to Juve, I would think. But I also don't it's hard because I, I do feel like he has to be like you like you have to move on from him. Yeah. Because I, I just agree. don't think he's getting enough out he's i don't think he's getting enough out of the group he's not making the group better and when you don't have a coach that's doing that it's hard to win enough games to to get where you want to go and i also i I slightly disagree with you chucks in one respect and that i don't necessarily think you need you know one of the major upper echelon coaches to come back in you know we didn't have that when antonio conte first came Antonio Conte was considered a Serie B promotion specialist with a failed stint at at uh, at being a Serie A manager at Atalanta when we when he came up to to coach Juve and now look at him. So I I would I would be interested in 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 kind of looking at the at the ranks. I said this kind of jokingly, but you know, pull Raffaele Palladino out from Monza. <laughs> you know you know guys like. I, I just think you need somebody that pushes the action and that isn't passive and that can get the group playing better together, which is something that I just don't think Allegri is doing right now. You know, if if, if you want a name, I don't really have one right now, to be honest with you, unless, you know, you can poach a guy like Deserbi from Brighton. But yeah, I don't, I, I just think that you have to bite that bullet. And and leave and leave Allegri be just because he's not getting the best out of the team. And just for the record, Sam, it, it did say that you are the conductor. I did not add that. Yes. No. I. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question here to wrap things up from at Kevin Westlife. Is there an updated view on how things will likely play out from the two open investigations against Juventus? I'm sure everyone has been following all recent rumors, which remain to be mixed. God, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, uh, <laughs> and there is your update on these two <laughs> yeah, right. investigations. I'm expecting more point deduction out of the second half of this because just because the second half of this is so much more provable than the first. You know, there, there's, you know, if you have, you know, the WhatsApp chats that were handed over to the prosecutors, you have, you know, written stuff. Uh, apparently Cristiano Ronaldo is about to narc on us and testify for the prosecution because he wants the money that we haven't paid him yet. I also read a report today that he's trying to get Pinso to come join him in Saudi Arabia. And if that happens, then then that means war. <laughs> That's right. 
but uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm fully expecting another point deduction. The, the question is, will the first one stay in place? Uh, I, I read, I remember reading right after the draw that the, the president of Freiburg said that in his discussions with with Juve management, that Juve are relatively confident that they will get that overturned. I wish I shared that confidence, but it's it's certainly <laughs> it's certainly possible that they manage that because the you know you do have the but again you know like I said this is why this is what what I, like I said from the very beginning of this play stupid games win stupid prizes you know you were that dumb to leave all that out there it, it's it's it you know I'm surprised it wouldn't I I wouldn't be surprised if we do get this the first deduction overturned and end up having to take a similar if not bigger one in the second yeah because from what i from what i understand about the first points penalty is that it you know like a lot of times in like american sports when somebody gets suspended you have like a five game suspension then on appeals reduced to like three or four but in this case you can either have it taken away or it just stays so it's either the 15 point penalty is going to be there or it's not and who knows how much that will impact other sporting things that come down i i really don't know but i mean as we saw with the 15 point penalty we weren't expecting 15 points to begin with and then all of a sudden 15 points happened and we we're all taken aback so in terms of what what's coming down the pike who the heck knows but i mean there's not a whole lot of reason to be optimistic based on what we saw a few weeks ago indeed yeah, yeah. at least i think yeah i mean i i we're not getting a, we're not getting out of the salary thing scot-free we're just not. Uh, the question is if that, you know, the the the, the big question is this appeal and what's going to come down. They, what that's going to be middle of March, I think. Uh, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, that's that's going to be the big that's going to be the big issue because if if you manage to get that if that appeal goes and you you know and you get those fifteen points back, then whatever happens with the salary stuff probably knocks you back into mid-table the way we are now, and you can just play the season out, focus on the cups. If the first deduction stays in place, and then you get hit hard again in the with the salary stuff, then you're looking at having to gobble up as many points as you can in a very compressed amount of time in order to not get relegated. And so that that's, you know, that th those are your scenarios. Fun stuff, isn't it? It really is. And then Agnelli went on, what was it, the Telegraph or something like that? And was yes. was yeah. running his mouth about how vital the, the Super League is and all this other crap. And I'm just like, maybe you should think about trying to stay out of jail and not run your mouth about this your stupid Super League again. <laughs> hey, at least he's consistent. Uh, yeah, white-collar crime, man. They think they're untouchable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will wrap things up on that note. Thank you guys for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. If you want to send them in, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. Feel free to follow us there as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Search tool is black and white and red all over. Same search tool for your favorite podcasting platform where, like we said, our podcast feeds will not be changing, even though we are switching the podcast network in which we are one part of and we are excited to join the fans first sport network over the next few weeks we believe so for sam for chucks for sergio who might be stuck in traffic as we speak who's who knows 
producer Couch and office assistant Domino, who was chiming in a few times during the episode. This is Daniel saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>